While you're still standing, if you would turn, please, to Acts chapter 5, beginning with verse 39. Acts 5, 39. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. For to give <clears throat> repentance of sin, repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. You may be seated. Jesus was standing at a well outside the city of Sychar in Samaria. And uh, in discussing the situation that uh, he was in with the woman uh, that he was ministering to, he made this statement. He said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. Now, I've had the privilege of ministering on every continent except Australia. And I have ministered in third world countries and second world countries and first world countries. I have my own definition of the difference between a developed and an undeveloped nation. A developed nation has a Burger King. An undeveloped nation does not. While I have been used of God to preach in these nations, I am very well aware that I am not called to be a missionary because I was not given a missionary uh, digestive system that can eat anything and be fine. I can't eat anything and be fine. So uh, I'm privileged to preach in all these nations. And there's one thing that I've learned, which is very disappointing. No matter if they're the highly educated nations of uh, Europe or Asia, uh, some of the most highly educated nations on earth are in Asia. I have come to understand that America has the most spiritually ignorant people on earth. Because no place else on earth has as high a percentage of people who deny the existence of the supernatural 
like Americans. And we blame that on our superior intellect and great education. Of course, statistics prove we're probably not even in the top 20% of educated nations on earth. But that doesn't matter to us. It's acceptable to us to use our education and intelligence as an excuse to ignore the existence of the supernatural. We do that to our own hurt. And why do I say that? Because there really is a God. But He's not just a God. He is the God. And He offers something to us that nobody and nothing else in this world can offer. Literally. This one true and living God, the creator of the universe, offers to mankind something that you can't get anywhere else. No government, no law, no club, no social institution, no set of friends. No husband, no wife, no parents, no children. Nobody can give you this like he can. And it is forgiveness. Nobody. Nobody can give you forgiveness But God, well, other religions do. Then you don't know much about other religions, including Christianity when it's practiced as a religion. Because every doctrine, no matter what, every every religion, no matter what the name is, no matter what its concepts and precepts are, all come back to this one simple doctrine. That to be saved... You've got to do more bad than good. If you do more, if you do more, uh, you got, you excuse me, you got to do more good than bad. Because if you do more bad than good, you are doomed. But if you do more good than bad, you are saved. True Christianity, as taught in the Bible, is the only religion in the world, and I'm including uh, the Hebrews in that because we are related. We believe in the exact same God. Oh yes, well they don't believe in Jesus. No, but we believe in the same God. And we believe in the same Messiah. The difference is we believe the Messiah has come and they don't believe he's come yet. Okay? But nobody else believes that your sins can be forgiven. Nobody. Nobody. Only God can forgive your sins. Only God can wipe the slate completely clean. Preacher, you, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. God can't forgive me of this, this, and this. Who says? Not him. 
Now, man, <laughs> now we're a piece of work. Because we're the ones that's got it all uh, uh, categorized, categorized out as venial sins and, uh, and mortal sins and all these things. And we, we've got our white lies and uh, big lies, small lies, in-between lies that are all, they're either okay or not okay depending on how well they serve us. That's the way man is. That's what man has done. But not God. We don't forgive ourselves of our sins. We excuse ourselves. And there's a huge difference. And today, in our society, we've acknowledged that sin is such a problem. We don't call it sin anymore. Because that's, that becomes a problem. And now it's, it's, everything is an excuse. Once you're an adulterer, always an adulterer. Once you're an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once you're a drug addict, always a drug addict. Once you're a thief, always a thief. That's the doctrine of our world today. There's no hope. Whatever your problem is, that's your problem and you're going to have that problem forever and you just are stuck with it. And so in order to try to make people feel better, because this world has no solution for sin. They have no solution for problems in a person's life. They don't give a person any hope that they can be different than they are. In fact, they tell you you can't be any different than you are. Well... You know, of course, they always use a couple of different sides of the coin. That you are what you are if you've got a problem, but you're not what you are if you want to be somebody you're not. Since I don't want to get into politics, that's as far as I'll go with that. But, you know, if I'm an alcoholic, I can't say I'm no longer an alcoholic. They're not accepting that. You hear me? You're a drug addict. You can't say I'm no longer a drug addict. They're not accepting that. Now, you can say you're... And their reasoning is so consistent that they're going to shame you for not accepting that. Oh... I think it was Shakespeare said, Oh, consistency, thou art a jewel. Because there's no consistency in our world and society today. There's none. The people that are right, that are the ones that are on my side, that see what I see the way I see it. Everybody else is wrong. Well, here's the problem. That leaves you and I stuck with whatever we're struggling with in life. I'm stuck. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. And even worse is this. If my dad was an alcoholic, I got no chance. I'm going to be an alcoholic. If my dad was an abuser, I, I, it's faded. I don't, I don't have any options here. I'm going to be an abuser. That's what our world teaches. 
So they not only don't give you any hope, they doom you. And then deny the existence of the one who has the power and the ability to change that. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody is here by divine appointment today. God has orchestrated this so that I would be here. He's given me this message to preach because I'm not normally here. And you're here. And you need hope so bad. You, you so, you need hope so badly. Why is it that drugs are epidemic proportions in our country? Why is it that overdoses and deaths from overdoses are at an all-time high? Why is it that suicide is at an all-time high? Why? Why is that the case? Because our society has stolen hope out of people's lives. They have no hope. That's what brought people brought what brought people to this country in the first place was hope. Hope for a better life. But we have systematically dismantled that hope. Well, I'm not dismantled. I'm here to testify to you that I know this is true because he's done it in my life. I've watched him take drug dealers and turn them into mighty men of God that you would never, ever guess their past. I've watched him take prostitutes, dancers on the block in Baltimore, and turn them into holy, pure women of God. I've watched him take thieves and turn them in to some of the most trustworthy people you'll ever meet in your life. I've watched him take people who hate them, who hated themselves become some of the most loving people you've ever met in your life. I've watched him do it. I've watched him do it over and over and over again. And a church can't do that. And a preacher can't do that for you. It's only the Lord Jesus Christ that can do that for you. And we're not here practicing religion today. No, 10,000 times no. We're not here practicing religion. We're here fellowshipping. I don't see him. Oh, but if you'd give yourself a chance, you'd feel him because he's in this place right now. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always. He never promised to make my life pain-free, problem-free, pressure-free, trouble-free. He never made that kind of promise. In fact, he said, in this life, you shall have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome all this. 
Hope. 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 But there is no hope without forgiveness of sins. Because my knowledge of who I am and what I've done steals all of the basis and foundation for me to have any way to have any hope. So how can I have hope, access hope, live in hope if I have sins that are eating me up inside no matter how much I try to pretend they're not? Oh, you can call them what they want, but your conscience knows otherwise. Your mind can deny what your conscience is telling you, but that puts you at odds with yourself. You become your own worst enemy. You're at odds with your own self. And your mind tries to justify what you're doing so you can continue to do it, but your conscience says, no, no, you're not helping yourself. You're not benefiting yourself. You're only making things worse for yourself. Well, I don't want to be a part of a church with rules and do's and don'ts. Me either. Me either. But somebody created me. And he designed me specifically to function at my optimum as he intended for me to if I make these choices. And to suffer the consequences if I make these choices. Well, I don't believe in a God who would punish you. He's not punishing me. (laughs) If I take a tomato seed and put it in the ground, it's not God's fault it grows up and bears tomatoes. If I put a a kernel of corn into the ground, and I know it's a kernel of corn, and I put it in the ground, it's not God's fault it grows up with a stalk and produces ears of corn. So when you make choices, you're sowing seed in your life. And when the crop comes up, that's not God's fault. We want to take the credit for every good thing happening in our lives and blame God for all the bad. Excuse the word. I don't use profanity, so this is as close as it gets. That's asinine. That's below dumb. That's below ridiculous. That's below ludicrous. That's about as far down as you can get and say clean words. That's asinine. It is pure self-deception. It's self-deception. There's a, there's a verse in the Bible. You'll recognize it because you live under it every day whether you like it or not. He that offends in one point of the law is guilty of all the law. If I get out here on Ritchie Highway and drive 100 miles an hour, somebody's going to eventually call the cops and they're going to pull me over They're not going to give me a ticket. Not doing 50 miles an hour over the speed limit. You know what they're going to do? They're going to put me in jail. And I can sit in the back seat with my hands handcuffed behind me and protest all the way to the jail. But I don't steal. I don't rob. I don't pay. I pay my taxes. I don't molest molest or, or abuse my wife. And that policeman's going to say to me, you're not being arrested for all the things you haven't done. You're being arrested for what you did do. 
by your definition, a good man wouldn't endanger his own life and everybody else's driving 100 miles an hour up Richie Highway. But that's the way we work, you see. We want to conveniently forget what we do that the book says is wrong and call us good. The Bible settles all that. There's none good but one. That's God. No. No. The moment you say, well, I'm good, you just called God in the Bible a lie. How's that working for you? Really, how's that working for you? And here's the other problem. The whole idea that I can turn my life around and suddenly do good for a while and that's going to take care of all my past. Really. So every person that's ever committed murder that was, that served their time is now no longer guilty of murder because they served their time. Really? No. Every person that's ever molested a child, every sexual predator that served their time, they get out. The record's clean. They served their time, right? No. Where did our system of laws get that from? It's called the Judeo-Christian ethic. And all laws in the West are built upon it. You're not judged for what you haven't done. You're judged for what you did do. And once you've offended the one point of the law, you're guilty of the whole law. Well, <laughs> that means we're hopeless. No, no, that doesn't mean we are hopeless. It means we are all without hope of fixing this within ourselves. Romans chapter 8, I mean, excuse me, uh, 3. And I think it's verse 23. says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What that means is, this is where our world gets off the train. Whoo, buddy. This is where our world doesn't like this. (laughs) There's none good, no, not one. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. If you've ever sinned, doesn't matter how old you are, were, you're you're now a sinner. And the idea that we only ever sin once in our lives and after that we've never sinned again, you must be taking advantage of the new medical marijuana laws because you're high on something. And it's not Jesus and it's not life. It's deception. You're really high on deception. You want us to believe you've made one mistake and you've never made another mistake the rest of your life? Well, then you're not a human being. (laughs) Take this any way you want to take it. But I need a Savior every day. I have never gotten so spiritual. That my own spirituality could save me. That my goodness could save me. That my good deeds could save me. It's not true. It's not true. Because you see, for a believer, 
Sin is not just what I do that I shouldn't have done. Sin is what I should have done that I didn't do. Like forgive my neighbor their trespasses against me. That's the most horrible sins that sin that a Christian can commit is unforgiveness. Because I ask God to forgive me, but I won't forgive my neighbor. You don't know what they've done. Okay, let's let God expose all of your sin and all their sin and compare them to see if you're that much more worthy that you have the right to not forgive them when you've asked forgiveness for yourself. Any takers? I said, is there any takers? Your justification for holding on to your grudge is because you're worthy to be forgiven by the Father, but that person you've got a grudge against is not worthy to be forgiven by you. So if you don't want to do that today, guess what? You can't get out of doing that one day. There will be a day. While we're all standing before that big white throne. Since we'll have eternity, God's not in a hurry. (laughs) So, we'll have the time to watch your life played on the big screen. Hear your thoughts over God's speaker system. Well, I don't want that. You better take care of all that here then. Here's the problem. God had a problem. Before there was anything, there was God. Well, how many gods are there? How many beings can fill all space? Hello? I mean, by definition, there can't be but one being who can fill all space. Because if two are trying to, one of them's only filling up part of the space. That means the other one's only filling up part of space. And that's why, if you want to go back as far as you can go and find out who God is, there's one name that he used to describe himself. I am, not we are. I am. But when God described himself, 1 John chapter 4 verse 16, please. When God described himself, he he did something a little unusual. 1 John 4 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. What? God is what? Wait. Wait, 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 just a minute. Now, God is God. He cannot change. Because change is a function of time, and God is eternal, so He's not subject to time, so it's impossible. By every law of science and mathematics, it is impossible for God to change. Because change is a function of time. God's not subject to time. So God can't change. And if at the point the Spirit of the Lord spoke to the Apostle John to write this down, if God says of himself, 
through John, God is love. Then before there was anything else in existence, it's still an accurate statement. God is love. Not, he didn't say he has love. It didn't say he feels love. He says he is love. The most dominant characteristic of our God. It's not his power. It's not his knowledge. It's not his wisdom. It's not his purity. It's not his unlimitedness. It's that he is love. That is absolutely the, mo- the pr- most predominant of all of God's attributes. He is love. Now, we have even changed the definition of love in our culture today. Love is lying to a person so that they don't feel bad when they hear the truth. That's lie. That's love. That's not love. That's perversion. And pure selfishness. If I don't want to tell you the truth because I love you, then I'm not telling you the truth because I love myself more than you. And I don't want you to feel bad toward me because I've told you the truth. You shall know the political correct ideas and they will set you free. Well, you got a problem with that because what's political correct, politically correct today wasn't politically correct five years ago or ten years ago. It, that is the most shifting sand that you can build your life on is political correctness because it changes all the time. So I built my life, by the grace of God, on something that never changes, an eternal word. His word is forever settled in heaven. Forever settled. It doesn't change. It's consistent. Now churches may true, and preachers may choose to preach the parts they like and the ones they, and not the ones they don't like. And they can shift it around and to tell you what you want to hear so you'll be a part of the crowd and put your money in the offering. But the problem is, the Word doesn't change. Okay. I thought this was going to be a short message today. Don't laugh. I know, I honestly thought it was, but the Holy Ghost just wanted me to be a little deeper than I thought I'd be. So here we are, John chapter 12, beginning with verse 44. John 12, 44. These are some very shocking, challenging words by our Savior. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. Next words. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not Abide in darkness. There's really only two realms in our world. Light and everything that's a part of that. And darkness. 
And dark light is God. God's not light because we agree with him or we like what he says or whatever. He's light because he is light. <laughs> I have come a light in the world. He that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. That, the word that there in the Greek, it means for this cause, on this account, for this reason. I have come a light in the world so that or for the purpose that you don't have to live in darkness. Spiritual darkness, ignorance, Blindness, where you don't know what truth is. Next verse. And if any man hear my, what? Hear my words. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, there you go. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Next verse. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Now, I know this is an iPad, but there's at least, in one app alone, there are 40 different translations and so when I hold this up, it's intended to represent my Bible, okay? Churches change, preachers change, messages change, and doctrines change. Because we all have different opinions and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we, 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 we go to the Bible to find excuses to preach what we like rather than letting the Bible tell us what to preach. But here's the problem we've got. The word is going to judge us in the last day. Uh, but you don't understand, God's making excuses for me. I've heard that for 47 years as pastor. I know that's what it says, but God doesn't expect me to live that because he understands my situation and he's making excuses for me. No, you're making the excuses. God's not. Because standing before the throne, what are we going to be judged by? I've used this so many times. Forgive me if you've heard of a thousand, but here comes thousand and one. How hard is it to pass a final exam if someone gives you the test and the answers beforehand. You don't even have to get all the answers right, but surely you can get 70% if you know the questions in advance and the answers are written right with the questions. How hard is it to pass the final exam? That's why no person standing before the great white throne in judgment is going to be able to say, I didn't know. Hear the word. Is the, is the final exam and the answers are in it. No, it's not even open book. This isn't an open book test. No. It's an open exam test. Here's the, here are the questions. Here are the answers. Now, if it wasn't God doing that, we'd call that cheating. 
Because if, if students share that information, it's cheating. If a professor in a college did that with every one of his students, he'd be fired. If a teacher in school, high school, elementary school, did that, he'd go, what are you doing? Because let me tell you something. For better or for worse, I learned really quickly. I didn't have to pay attention till it was time to cram. Because I got a good memory, and I could memorize. I'd spend the last 24 hours before a big test, and I'd cram, and I'd remember all that. It was always enough to get a passing grade. Look at all the time I had on my own that I didn't have to work for it. Now, I'm not endorsing that, and I have changed my opinion on all that. Just ask my sons. It's no, it was no do as, uh, do as I do. Oh, no, no, no. You do as I say. You're not going to do what I did. Because nobody was checking up on me to see if I was doing my work. They trusted me. I'm a teenager. I want to be trusted. Every one of, you know why adults don't trust teenagers? Because they were one. That's what teenagers forget. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. That's why adults don't trust teenagers. Because they were one. Somebody should have been checking up on me, but they weren't. I, I need that verse on the screen still, please. 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in that last in the last day. Next verse. For I have not spoken of myself or by my own power, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Next verse. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So Jesus, the man Christ Jesus is saying, none of this stuff I'm saying are my thoughts, my ideas, my opinions. I am speaking to you the words of the eternal Father, the creator of all of this. And you will be judged by it. Now, <laughs> Oh, good for us. The good thing for us is God is love. And He didn't create all this so He would have someone to take His frustrations out on. He created all this so He could love and be loved. But here's the problem. The ancient mariners will tell you that you can count on the stars to be in certain positions. At certain times of the year in, in relation to our earth so accurately that thousands of years ago they came to the understanding that if they could learn to chart that, then they could plot lines to those stars in the middle of an, uh, uh, of an ocean where there's no visible points of reference and they could point, they could determine where they were and point themselves in the right direction to go where they want to go. Because the heavens are that obedient. The angels also were obedient. 
until one decided not to. And you say, oh, well, forgiveness is just a simple thing. Really? Then why don't you ask uh, our adversary, Lucifer, who is now known as Satan, if God forgives angels? One mistake. No forgiveness. No forgiveness. No second chance. One third of the angelic beings were given no second chance. One sin. And they were kicked out of heaven. But that wasn't all of it. God prepared hell for the devil and his angels. Not for humans. So what did God do? He's love. I, he, God is love. So what did he do? He wanted to love someone. The problem is love can't be love unless it's a free choice. Unless the one that's receiving the love has the ability and the right to choose it or not choose it. And, you can't, and you're not being loved in return unless the one loving you in return has the right to choose to love you or not love you. So in order for God to be able to, to express himself as love, he had to create beings that were godlike in this sense. Because only God up to that moment in the Garden of Eden had the, 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 the ability and the right to make choices and decisions. Why would God do that? His motive was pure. He wants to love and be loved. But see, it's not love if you can't choose to love him or not choose to love him. It's not love. Now I realize, I realize that the predominant me method of marriage uh, in uh, most cultures and for thousands of years has been, for the most part, arranged marriages. Yes, and some do fall in love after the fact. And some don't. But that's, even in that situation, love is a choice. You didn't have any choice to, get, to marry this person. Your parents arranged it. But if you're going to love them, it's still a choice. Well, here's the problem. If love is not love unless it's a decision, a choice, and God created beings with the power to choose, the ability to choose, the right to choose, and the responsibility to choose. He must have also known that man, since he was made of the dust of the earth, Flesh, and scientifically it's been proven that our flesh has the same consistence uh, of minerals and whatever as dirt. And the other thing we're made of is water. Dirt and water put together is called clay. So we're just old clay pots. So he knew when he made us this week... 
we, we were going to make choices that weren't right choices. He knew that. But God is so much love. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8. God is so much love. That before he ever made man. With the ability. The power. The right. And the responsibility to choose. He came up with the way. To be able to forgive man. When he made the wrong choices. Revelation 13 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names were not written in the Lamb, in the, in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Oh no, Jesus was slain outside the city of Jerusalem approximately 2,000 years ago. That's when it became natural fact. But God knew that if he had word, and word can't buy, God is word. He's word and spirit. That if God is word and word can't change because his word is truth. Uh, John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If his word is truth. And, and therefore his word can't change because truth can't change. And truth can't change because his word can't change. And the word says, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Well, what, what's sin? I, I, I preach, I don't believe in sin, really. Yeah, you do. Because the Greek word translated sin, H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A, the root word of that means to miss the mark. In other words, sin is not immorality, doing some, doing things that are immoral. And I don't mean just sexually immoral, but immoral. Sin is Falling short of the glory of God. Falling short of what God has offered you and I as human beings created by Him, made in His image. We fall short. So for God to love even those who spend some period of time in their life, whether a short time or a long time, doing minor sins or major sins, as humans would classify them, categorize them, for God to be able to forgive, he had to come up with a way where he could keep his word and forgive the offender. And there's only one way. Somebody who was pure and innocent had to willingly give their life and the place of those he was forgiving. And that's exactly what happened. John the Baptist baptized Jesus and saw the spiritual vision of what appeared to be a dove. It was not a bird. But the Holy Spirit appeared in the form of a dove. In the spirit landed upon Jesus, and that was the sign John was looking for. And so he makes this declaration. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. We just came through Easter. Oh, we have so perverted the whole idea of what Easter is. 
Oh, and our, our, our country, our world hates the cross. Of course it hates the cross. Because it's a symbol of Christianity. Oh, no, it's not. No, you know what the cross is? Proof that you can't save yourself. Proof that somebody knew you couldn't save yourself and willingly took your place, penalized or paying the penalty for your sins so that the God of love could say, I forgive you. And that's what the problem of the cross is. It reminds you somebody had to die so you could be forgiven because you can't save yourself. Can't save yourself. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or the Greek word there translated remission is the exact same Greek word that's translated forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Why? Because God is a bloody God? No, no. He's a just God. He can't violate his own word. He can't forgive that which he has no right. He can't forgive that which he doesn't have the ability to satisfy the word. Because if he, if he's, if he saved anybody whose sins had not been forgiven by his method, by his plan, he just undeified himself. He undeified himself. Because he violated his own word. So he then ceased to be God. Well, of course, he cannot do that. It's impossible for God to lie. It's also impossible for God to violate his own word. So out of love, since he's God, he can't undeify himself, he can't lie, and he can't change his own word. Then he came up with a plan before he ever created man. He came up with a lamb, a substitute, a sacrifice before the world was formed. First, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Actually, let me read verse 20 first. First Corinthians 5, 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though we did beseech you, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Well, what, what is this church business all about? What is this, some guy or woman or whoever gets up and, 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 and they give these speeches or these talks and then some are boring and then others act like they're idiots like you yelling and screaming and waving your arm. What is that all about? Because God's plan is, because knowing our humanity like He does, He knows we need somebody to be the person in the road waving our arms going, the bridge is out. The bridge is out. Because some people will ignore the signs so they have to hear and see the warning. The bridge is out. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. Every man of God, every true God called man of God that's walking with God. When he stands and preaches to you. He is not Christ. 
But he's standing in the place of Christ, allowing Christ to speak through him to you. These are not my words. These are his words. Well, I don't believe that. Then you don't believe what the man Christ Jesus said about where he got his words. That's why, even though your mind is screaming all these kind of different directions, in here, the words are smiting you and your conscience going, I don't like that, but it's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I can't do that. Some of you don't know it all. Some some of you haven't had a chance to be around consistently for a long time. I don't know where you are in your life. Then you tell me why it is. God wanted you to hear all over again today that you can be forgiven of everything. Clean slate. Start over fresh. Start over brand new. Next verse. How can he do that? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The root word for righteousness is righteous, and in the Greek, the literal meaning of the word righteous is innocent. (laughs) So he took all of our sins upon himself. Those that had already been done, those that had done while he was alive, and those ever sinned that would ever be done, that a man would ever want or need, I mean mankind would ever want or need to repent of. Took all of them on himself, even though he had never sinned. He was innocent. He was not being punished for his sin. He took our punishment in our place so that we could be made innocent in God. That's what forgiveness does, you see. That's what forgiveness does. That's what forgiveness does. Oh, but I've got even better news than that. (laughs) I got really, really good news. Uh, I thought I had it written down here. If you'll give me half a second. Well, a little longer than that. I will find it again. I had it last night. Here it is. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 Oh praise God For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days saith the Lord I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts And I will be to them a God And they shall be to me a people And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord For all shall know me Everybody equally has a right and a chance to know God It's not for the special few. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Here it is now. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness or that which is guilt or is against their innocence. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. I was talking to the Lord about this here. A little while ago, and I said, Lord, all these 71 years of sin, 
thank God I've forgotten most of them, but the, the, the ones that I would like to forget, I can't forget. And he says to me, but you don't understand. I have. Lord, how can you have forgotten if I remember? He said, because I'm God. I let you remember, not so you will feel bad about yourself, but so you'll never forget that I'm the God who saved you. And I'm the God who has forgiven you. And I'm the one worthy of your honor, your praise, your love, your faithfulness, your devotion. And that I'm the one who loves you. So don't let what you remember of your past keep you from me. Let what you remember of your past cause you to come closer to me. Because what you can remember, I do not remember. But what you can remember is what I forgave. And what I've forgotten. Oh, the intellect can't figure that out. Join the club. You're right. I can't, I, I, I know what he said. I believe what he said. Because his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts as high as the heavens are above the earth. I don't understand how he can forget and I can't. But let me tell you something. If he's told me he's forgotten, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. And you know what some of us do? We're so persistent in this. We want to remind him of stuff he's already forgotten. Excuse me, I'm not trying to be insulting, but duh. Wait, wait. I repented. He forgave me. He forgot it. And now I want to remind him? Really? <laughs> I might remember. But he says he doesn't. I don't want to remind him. Oh, you, you folks are just really out there, brother, right? Preacher? Oh, yeah. We're out there. Because we're not in there. We're not in there with those with no hope. We're not in there with those that believe there's no chance of changing. We're not in there with those who feel doomed that there's nothing that can be done in their lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. Oh, listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Verse 10. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. No hope. Oh, wait. And such. What's, what, what's the tense of the verb? What's that? Past tense. That means I'm not that now. I might have been some of those things, but I am none of those now. And such were some of you. But you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You know what that's called? Not all four-letter words are bad. That's called hope. Hope. 
And that hope is from love. And that's the best four-letter word there is. Hope. Love. There is a problem. You can't be forgiven without repentance. And repentance is a gift. God works repentance in us. Esau could not find a place to to repent in Hebrews uh, 12. Though he sought it carefully with tears, he couldn't find it. Because repentance is a gift from God. He gives that gift to us. He enables us to repent. If I have enough faith to say, Father, I'm sorry. I confess this, this, and this, this. Not to me. Not to a church, but to Him. I confess this. I'm asking you to forgive me. And change me. Because repentance is change. Literally, right. It's a literally change. The Greek word is change of direction. Or change of mind. Now here's a fact of life. And God knows this. Okay. Just because I repent of it today doesn't mean I will never do it again. And here's one of the most foolish prayers of repentance you can ever pray. Father, if you'll forgive me for this, I'll never do this again. Wrong. Because you can't bargain with God. He's already set the terms of the deal. I died in your place to call your sins on you. You can't promise me what you can and can't do. But you can let me empower you to want to please me and to be able to please me. You Christians think you're perfect. No, we're the, a true Christian is the only person in the world who really knows they aren't. Because a true Christian is one who is trusting the Lord to save them and not themselves. They know they can't do it. So First John chapter 1. I'm almost done. Let's see. Oh yeah. Plenty of time here. <laughs> First John chapter 1 and verse 5 or 6. Now let's try 5 and I'll read quickly. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Oh, by the way, this is the apostle John, the apostle of love. Because in our Christianity today, love is not telling someone the truth. Everybody's okay. The grace of God makes you all saved no matter how you live. Lie. Verse... uh, Six again. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Next verse. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Next verse. (laughs) If we say that we have no sin, if we say, now he's talking to Christians here. 
If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So that means everybody out there that denies the existence of sin is living a lie. Because there is sin. And you don't get rid of sin by denying the existence of sin. So you can justify the way you're living and say, it's not a problem for me. It shouldn't be a problem for you. It's not a problem for me. It's a problem for you. Maybe not now, even though it really is now. It will be one day. And when I stand before God without my sins forgiven, it won't be his choice. It'll be by my choice. I don't believe a loving God would send people to hell. He doesn't. He does not. A loving God does not send a, a, a person to hell. A loving God only d- reveals to you what your decision was. Because his word says, you make these choices, this is the outcome of that. You make these choices, this is the outcome of that. Unless, of course, you want to repent and let me forgive you for all of that. Then we'll, we'll forget all that. Only if you... Give me the right to forgive you. Because if I want him to forgive me outside of the blood of the Lamb of God who took my place on the cross, he can't. And doesn't. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Next verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness or to cleanse us from everything that makes us feel guilty. Takes all that guilt and shame away if we will just confess and repent. On the day of Pentecost, which was the birthday of the church, There was some major supernatural things going. A large crowd came to see what was happening because of those supernatural things. And uh, they said, what meaneth this? And Peter stood up and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And Peter began, continued to preach throughout chapter 2. And he preached the message I preached today. Different words, same message. How that Christ was the God of heaven and earth, robed in flesh. And he had that flesh die in our place so he could forgive us. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, if you'll put that on the screen. When they heard this, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? This is the chapter in which the church was first born. The church did not exist, according to the Bible, before Acts chapter 2. And so Peter is the first person that preached as a minister in the church. And they asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission, and that word remission there in the Greek is the same exact word translated forgiveness in other places. This is so easy to determine 
today. You can, if you don't even own all this, you can go online and, and get a strong, and, and there's free strongs, dictionaries and concordances that are available online and you can verify this for yourself. You look up this verse, find out what the word is for remission, then go to the concordance and find all the Greek word or the English words that translated this word remission. And you'll find that it's the word forgiveness. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. New life. New life. Paul said the same thing in Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 3. Romans 6 and 3. But he gives a little different depth of this. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. He died for me. So when I'm, when I repent and I'm water baptized, I, I am put into the death he died in my place to pay the penalty for my sins. Next verse. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Next verse. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Next verse. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. This old sinful self. In God, in the mind of God, our, our lives were crucified on that cross with Christ that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And then Romans 8 and verse 9 says it this way. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But if ye, but be ye not in the, uh, okay, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. How do I get the spirit of Christ? I have to repent. My old man has to die out spiritually. I have to be identified with Christ and join him in burial, in water baptism, that my old man would be buried so that a new man can be resurrected spiritually. And that happens by the receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost or the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the infilling of the Holy Ghost or any other synonym you want to use. Next verse. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Next verse. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. My friend, there is a reason why so many scriptures are quoted. One thing I hope is that you will be interested enough to go home and look these verses up and see what they say for yourself. Number one. Number two. So that your faith will not stand in me or in the other individual or individuals who ever occupy this pulpit. 
but that your faith would stand in the word of God and the spirit and the power of God. Because we can't change you. This church can't forgive you. Only God. Our job is to represent Christ to you, not not as some office, but as, as his child, as a man of God, and speak his word to you so that you can know what he desires to do to save you, to forgive you. Well, preacher, I, you know, I've been coming here a long time. I don't need saving. <laughs> Ooh, you, you need to be the first one down here with that attitude. Because the only reason you would not need saving is that you spent some significant time this morning letting the Spirit and the Word of God search your heart and life, and you've already repented before you got here. Hope. The Bible says, if I have hope in this life only, I'm of all men most miserable. If you're trying to find hope in this life, I can say to you definitively that you are not succeeding. If you can find, if you're trying to find hope, this world doesn't have any hope to offer you. I can't hardly stand to listen to the news or read the news or whatever they call it these days. It's more propaganda for one side or the other than it is news. It doesn't matter whose propaganda is it. All of it steals hope. Every bit of it steals hope. People fighting for free speech are out beating up people because they're exercising it. That's that's the kind of hope this life gives you, this world gives you. Hey, for those of us that have been in this country a long time, if you're not terrified out of your mind, there's only one way that can be. It's because you have hope in Christ. Because if you don't have hope in Christ, God, I don't know. God, have mercy on us. I don't know how, I don't know how you're surviving in this world because nobody can say what's happening next. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody can say. There's nobody can guarantee you what's about to happen next. There's nobody can guarantee you what's happening. Preacher, you're trying to scare me. Really? And so the people on the news aren't? It's only the preacher telling you the truth that's scaring you. But all these bozos, they're not? I don't want to scare you. I want you to find hope. I want you to know that when you leave this building today, you're not the same person that came in. And let me tell you something. (laughs) That has kept me doing this now. This June will be 49 years. That's what's kept me doing this for 49 years. This isn't my job. 
This isn't my profession. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what makes me get up in the morning. He said, I have an opportunity to speak the words of Christ and the love of Christ and the hope of Christ to give people an opportunity to not only change their here and now, but to know their eternal destiny is altered. That's what gets me up every morning. Father, I have given, I have spoken what you've given me to say. I have not added to it of my own self. I haven't left out one thing you wanted said because of fear of what somebody would think. I've spoken your word. And your word quickens. Your word brings life. Your word brings hope. Your word imparts love. And I thank you today for the privilege of being your conduit to speak your word by your spirit today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're the one that sent each one of us here. Even though some of us may not believe that you had anything to do with it, they're here. And you're here. And you knew they would be here. And you have given this word to speak to their hearts, to their lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak grace unto every one of us that we would be willing to forgive to rip of those that have sinned against us. That we'd be willing to repent. If we haven't been baptized, not joining a church, but baptized into you in Jesus' name, that we'd be willing to do it. If we've not been resurrected by the baptism of the Holy Ghost as they were on the birthday of the church, that we'd be desirous to receive that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I have not preached a message today for the purpose of getting you to join this church. You want to come to this church, we're glad to have you. But joining this church isn't going to do a thing for you, your eternal salvation, if you don't find Jesus first. If you don't let Jesus find you first. If you've been in church all your life, coming off and on, no matter how much you're struggling right now, why don't you find a place and repent? If you don't want to come down front, that's fine. But why don't you kneel where you are? If you're not willing to do that, God knows your heart. Why don't you just rent, work, you repent where you are? Why don't you repent? Why don't you ask Him for the grace to change you? Why don't you ask Him? Why don't you ask Him? Why don't you quit listening? Quit listening to that lie that comes to your head that there's no hope. God can't fix what's wrong with you. He can't undo what's wrong with you. It's a lie. He can. He will. If you'll let Him. If you'll let him in the name of Jesus Give it all. preacher I, I'd like to repent I don't know how well we don't want to violate your privacy violate your space so but we would be honored to pray with you and help you understand how to repent help you understand how to bear that old man and be resurrected
if you would let us, we'd be happy to do that. We'd be thrilled to, to pray with you. You can do that by one of two ways. You can come to the front. That'll give us permission to pray for you. Or with it, people's heads bowed and their eyes closed, you can raise your hand and someone will slip in next to you and pray with you right where you are. We don't want to embarrass anybody. You want your sins forgiven? You want hope? The Lord's willing to give you that hope. Don't let her come up here by herself. I was counting on you. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Not trying to be unkind and inconsiderate. But the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord is doing something in this room right now. He's talking to hearts. He's talking to minds. That gentle tug you feel on your in your heart. That's that's our Jesus. That's his love. Tugging at you. Why don't you just pray for somebody close by you right now? We're all in this in this together. Just pray for somebody close by. He that has ears to hear needs to hear. Just pray one for mother here for a moment. Come on. He that hath ears to hear needs to hear. Let's pray one for another. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let the Lord help you right now. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Service tonight at 6 o'clock. But if the Spirit of the Lord is touching your life, is working in your life, why don't you, don't you let Him do something for you? Come on. Why don't you let Him help you? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on, child of God. Don't delay. Don't procrastinate repenting. Come on, child of God. I know you come here all the time. But I know we all sin occasionally. No matter how hard we're trying. Don't put off for repentance. Don't put off letting the Lord forgive you. Come on. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on. Come on, church. Let the Lord use you in Jesus' name. If you need to go, you're welcome to. Just slip out if you would. Not disturb those around you that are trying to pray, wanting to pray. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. It's our privilege to fellowship with you this morning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus.